And how we feeling? Everybody feeling good? All right, all right, all right. Hop to your feet with me real quick. Let's read the word of God together. We'll be in Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. And we'll be reading verse 6. Only verse 6. All right, everybody good? Everybody ready? All right, cool. And so here's what it says. Well, where did it go? <laughs> All right. Actually, let's, let's read one through six. Let's do one through six. Ready, set. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple for a time of prayer at three in the afternoon. A man who was lame from birth was being carried there. He was placed each day at the temple gate called Beautiful so that he could beg from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for money. Peter, along with John, looked straight at him and said, look at us. So he turned to them, expecting to get something from them. But Peter said, I do not have silver or gold, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up and get up and all right, let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, there is nothing that I have as a speaker, as a leader, or as anything that matters in comparison to your glorious grace. So God, speak to us in this room today. Allow the words that are spoken to be spoken in a way that glorifies you the most. Above all, God, move in this place. Change our minds and our hearts and our perspective to look more like you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You can have your seat. Thank you, guys. Thank you. All right, so bit of a disclaimer. All right, disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer alert. So the text we will be discussing today is a text that is of supernatural nature, right? So the text we're going through and discussing today mentions things that to some of us may seem a bit odd, may seem a bit out there, may seem a bit impossible, right? However, this sermon will ask you to participate in things that seem impossible. This sermon will ask you to participate in things that are a little bit more super than natural. We'll call them supernatural. And so I'm asking you to lean in with me for a minute. We good? We good? Let's do it. Let's do it. So have you ever been asked by somebody or like someone's walking up to you and you feel like you know what they're going to ask you or like you get the call and you feel like, oh, I already know what they're going to do. Right? So my mom's in the room. Hey, mom. Right. And so I used to do this a lot when I was a kid. Right, because she, I assumed I knew what she was going to ask me to do. Right, so like if the room wasn't clean and she knocked on my door and she's like, she like, Malik, I go, I know, I know, I got it, I got it, I got it. Right, because I assumed I knew what she was going to ask from me. Some days that backfired. Some days she'd be like, Malik, and I'd be like, I know, I know, I know. And she'd be like, I was going to ask what you wanted for dinner, but I guess you're not hungry. And she'd walk away, right? <laughs> and I'd have to go chase her down if I wanted to eat. You see, because there is something in us that thinks we know immediately what the solution to a problem is. We're very practical. We're very pragmatic. It's kind of sort of how we are as people. We, we have learned to become problem solvers. But I think that gets in the way of God sometimes. I think when we see a situation and when we see a need and we think we know exactly what the solution is, we don't give God opportunities to be God. Right, so let's look at the text. If you still have your Bibles open, let's look at it together. If you don't, that's fine. Please open them, right? So here's the story. Peter and John, two disciples of Jesus, are walking into the temple. 
And as they're walking in, they see a man who the Bible says was lame from birth. Later on in the book of Acts chapter 4, it says the man was over 40, over 40 years old. Some assume around 45. So he's been lame for his entire life over 40 years. And the Bible says he gets placed every day by the gate beautiful. And Peter and John are walking past and this man, and this man starts asking them for money. And Peter stops and he looks and he says, look at us. And the guy looks up. Now again, Peter has a very interesting response to this man. He says, look at us. And the Bible says that the man looks up expecting money. But Peter's response to me is what I believe disciples of God should be leaning into in this current moment. Peter's response is not, I don't have money, but Jesus loves you. Peter's response isn't, I don't have money, but hey, do you, have, do you want to come to my church on Sunday? If not, I don't have, let me run to CVS, let me get my car. Peter's response is, silver and gold I don't have, but I will give you what I do. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. You see, I wonder if the reason we don't see a lot of the things we want to see or the miracles we believe happen is because we jump the point. When we see the end of our abilities, we forget that God is still God. And so when we don't have it, we go, silver and gold I don't have, but Jesus loves you. And we go on, and we go about our way, and we walk into the temple. We go to church. We go about life. But what if for just one second we would capture the grace of God and realize that I don't need silver and gold. I don't need to have the solution because I have the solution. I have God. The Bible says that he is in us, right? And so what if for a moment we captured that reality? And so let's talk about this for a second. First point, if you're taking notes, is simple. Jesus has called his church to meet the needs around us. I don't think that is a point anybody would disagree with. I think we'd all believe that Jesus has called us to meet the needs around us. Last, last week, Pastor John said your best self is your sacrificial self, right? So let's continue that thought. If your best self is your sacrificial self, then Jesus is also calling you to meet needs. That is the, 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 the work of the church, right? So a theologian named Lasor put it like this. He said, it is not the church's business in this world to simply make the present condition more bearable. The task of the church is to release here on earth the redemptive work of God in Christ. As the church, we're not meant to make living on earth more bearable. We're not meant to be a carryover until people finally cross to the other side. Instead, we are to bring the kingdom of God to earth. So we believe that we are called to meet the needs of the world around us. And so in our work to meet needs, we do very practical things, which I believe we should continue to do. We send funds, and we send people, and we organize situations, and we organize programs, and we, and we, the church, Christians, through the ages, have been the ones who start orphanages, and have been the ones who started hospitals, and have been the ones who started universities. That began in and through the church. And so those things need to continue. However, a part of solving needs is recognizing there are some needs that you can't solve. If you live life assuming that you can solve everything, you will live a very burnt out life. You will become tired and you will become weary because you're attempting to solve problems you are in a crypt to handle. And so as the church, we have to do both. We have to be willing to say we are here to meet needs, but we also have to be willing to say there are some needs we can't meet. Right, so second point, if you're going, we're going quickly. It says, 
these solutions, well, these needs can only be met by embracing his divine solutions. The needs that we cannot meet can only be met by embracing God's divine solutions. Right? And so that's what happens. We see a world where things are being torn down, but nothing's being built up. John talked about it recently. John says people are de deconstructing, but nobody's constructing. We are doing a lot of work, but we aren't bringing God in to solve the problems that we see around us. And so I wonder what would happen if we did. Because you see, I wonder if the 21st century church would walk past a lame man today. If we didn't have money, we would have sure found some to give him. And we'd have given it to him tomorrow. And we'd have given it to him next week. And we'd have given it to him next week. And we would have kept giving him what we thought he needed. In the same way that when my mom knocks on my door, I answer what I think she's asking. But what if the need he's asking for isn't the need that he actually has? Right? And so I wonder how many of us would have reached out our hand like Peter did and say, I don't have money. But I will give you what I have. You see, because the grace of God that is in us, the power of God that is in us, is not meant to just reside within. But it is meant to permeate every area of our lives so that we can make an impact. And so here is what's interesting about the story to me. Let's look at it together. Right? So we read one through six. Let's keep reading. Let's look in seven. It says, then taking him by the, by the right hand, he raised him up. And at once his feet and ankles became strong. The healing that this man needed did not happen when Peter said something. It didn't happen when Peter recognized his need. It happened when Peter reached out his hand and he picked him up. And the Bible says, then his ankles became strong. So it's not just enough for us to walk with Jesus in the name of Jesus. No. Sometimes we have to lend somebody a hand. Sometimes the only difference between someone being lame and walking is you reaching out your hand. You stooping down and saying, I believe you can walk. So, much, so I'm going to pick you up myself. Because when I do, God enters the picture and your ankles become strong. So his ankles become strong. And the Bible says, so he jumped up and started to walk and entered the temple with them walking, leaping, and praising God. He has never walked before. He's over 40 years old and has never used his legs to walk before. But the second he comes in contact with someone who has been in contact with God, he doesn't need to learn how to walk. He doesn't need to learn how to jump. But something about the power that is transferred from God to us through us lets people who have never done something before, they walk and they run and they leap and they move. Why not? Because of our abilities but because God wants us to participate, right? And so David Gazik in his Enduring Word commentary, he says, this man is over 40 years old. He's at the gate beautiful. Jesus would have walked past there a couple times. It's a place Jesus would have frequented. The Bible also says that this man is there every day. Imagine with me, what are the chances he saw Jesus? What are the chances that this isn't the first time he's heard of, dis he's heard of disciples? He's heard of people of the way. But what if after all these years, he's just discouraged? Right? Imagine you hear about Jesus. He's making the blind see. He's raising the dead. I even heard he walked on water. And he's walking by you every day. And you don't get to touch him. To the woman with the issue of blood, she was able to press through the crowd and touch the hem of his garment. 
This man's lame. He can't even get to the temple without help. And how does that feel? How does it feel to be inches away from a solution and never be able to touch it? We often wonder, oh, this guy's lazy, but what if he's broken? What if after being this way for so long, he's like, you know what? I might have asked for prayer a couple years ago, but now I just need food. Now I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to ask you to pray to heal me. Can I just get something to eat? And I'll come back again for tomorrow for something to eat. Because Jesus would have walked by. And so a lot of the questions we ask is, oh man, Jesus, if he walked by, why didn't he heal him? He could have done something about it. What if it's because Jesus is God, he knew Peter and John would walk by one day. And Jesus said, there are some things that I could do. But if I do them through the church, there is more vindication for my name. What if there are some solutions that God is working on solving, but the power is laid up in us, the Bible says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels, so that the excellence would be the power of God and not of us. What if the solutions to the world's problems are locked up behind our pragmatism? What if they are bound behind our practicality? What if God wants to move, but we don't want it to get weird? We don't want to have to keep giving disclaimers and services. What if God wants to do something through the church, but he can't? And so there are solutions that are unsolved. There are problems that are unfixed. And we're like, where is God in this situation? Like, why, why don't we see God here? Because the church isn't there. So Jesus walked past this man. And he walked past him because he knew Peter and John would get there someday. And so it is when Peter and John, after being filled with the Spirit in Acts 2, and walking and continuing in that way as we've heard for the weeks past, they come to a moment where they are put to the test. It's in you, and it's been in you, and it's working. Will you use it in this moment? And so this man who's never gotten it from Jesus can now look to Jesus through the church. Can the world look to Jesus through you? Can the world see the power of God resident in your life in such a way that when people see you, they go, God is good. When they talk to you, something in you makes them go, maybe Jesus really does love me. When you reach your hand out, something in someone goes, Christianity might just be real because nobody should be this nice. Nobody should love me this much. No one should stoop down to where I've been for 40 years and be willing to pick me up. What if? What if that's what the world needs? What if that's the solution that the world needs? But I hear some of us. Some of us have some very clear objections. Hey, Mick, that was the Bible. That was about 2,000 years ago. Does God, is God still doing that? I'm glad IG reminded us before I even got up here that God is still doing just that. A couple months back, we had a worship night. And there was a woman watching from Guyana who had been sick for a long time. And somehow, in the moment of watching our online service, she feels God move in her. And her body is healed so much so that she hasn't been able to, she hasn't gone to work in months. But something happened while watching our live stream. And her body is healed, so she goes back to work. And she's still fine today. You see, because God didn't stop. So John says, John, our pastor, this morning, not the Bible, John. Our John said this morning, talking about the Bible, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. 
Now, has God gotten bigger or has, has God gotten smaller or has our faith gotten smaller? Are we so afraid of messing it up that we don't want to reach out a little bit? And I understand those objections because if you don't know me, I have been in church my entire life. I started preaching at the age of 16. I am a church baby. And I have seen some things. I have seen very powerful healing services where the person doesn't walk out the way we thought they would. I've been in all-night prayer meetings for people who are in the hospital. And glory be to God, they're on the other side today. The healing didn't come like we thought it would. And see, those moments hurt. Those moments for me rocked my faith. Because I said, God, we asked. The whole church prayed, all 600 of us. We got really loud and we prayed. Do you not care? Are you deaf? And so I wonder if that's where some of us are. Some of us sit in this place and they go, Malik, what if I pray and it doesn't happen? What if we could balance the tension? What if we could pray like Jesus did? Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. We say, hey, Jesus, I would really, really want this to happen. But I understand that you're bigger and that you're smarter and that you're, you're, you're more understanding and more wise than I am. You see, because two things can be true. We can pray and still understand that God is sovereign. And other, so my, ex, my advice to us is exercise wisdom. What Pastor Malik is not saying is when you go to Publix across the street today, after service and after the vision meeting, the first lame person you see, pick them up. No, that's not what I said. Please, please, I beg you. If you're online, I beg you, don't do that unless God tells you to. But don't say, I told you to do that. But operate in wisdom, you see, because like I just said, in Acts 1 and 2 and leading up to 3, Peter and John are so close with God that they are able to hear him clearly. And how do we know he, they heard him clearly in this moment? Because if that man is at the temple every day and Peter and John are going to pray every day, they've walked past him before. And if they've walked past him before, the Holy Spirit didn't say, do it right now. The Holy Spirit didn't say, do however many days they walked past that man, the Holy Spirit didn't tell them to do it. And so they didn't do it. And there are moments where I feel like we act out of our own ambitions and God's, I didn't tell you to do that. This is going to go real badly for you because I did not tell you to do this. And he's in heaven and we're like, in the name of Jesus, and nothing happens. Why? Because God was like, I was really going to do that in two weeks. Now I have to wait two more years because you jumped the gun. So use wisdom. By all means, use wisdom. But there comes a point where God does say do it. Where I'm sure this day, after seeing this man for a while, the Holy Spirit said to Peter, Peter, today we're going to do it. Peter, today we're moving. Today we're doing this. And Peter looks at this man. He says, look at us. Why? Because Peter had heard something from God. Because Peter had been walking with God. And so if we want to see the change in the world that comes by working in divine solutions, we have to hear from God. Don't do it by yourself. It won't work by yourself. But I promise you, if you hear from God, he will never fail you. I've lived long enough to see and to know that everything he does is done well. I've loved him long enough to know that he has never failed. He will never fail. He's never lost a battle in the words of Torian Wells. So listen, if he's telling you to move, move. If he's telling you to go, go. But if you're hesitant, don't move. Don't move until God says to move. There are divine solutions. There are problems in each and every one of our lives. If we yield to God and say, what 
are you doing in this moment? Another disclaimer for us. I am not saying that God needs your participation because he is still big and bad all by himself. He spoke into the universe and the sun and the moon popped out of nowhere. He can still do it. But he has blessed us with the grace of participation. God is saying, this will work better for you. Because what happens to Peter's, face after, Peter's faith after that day? Peter was like, you know, the last time God told me to do something, I helped a man up and his ankles became strong. I might be good. It worked last time. Let me try it and it works again. Because you see, God wants your faith to be better too. And when you let God work through you, his faith, your faith in him becomes complete. Let God work in and through you because it is one of the ways in which he will sanctify you. So today I can look back and I can look over situations and I can go, well, he did do it the last time. Let me see. I believe he can do it again. But I think for some of us, memory is a problem. So Pastor John and I, we kicked around the sermon for a bit this week. And I had a trouble, had a very hard time remembering a miracle. Like I said earlier, I'm a church baby. I have seen miracles. Couldn't remember one. I texted my best friend, who is usually my memory jogger. Anytime I need my memory jogged, I call this friend, and he's able to remind me of something. And he couldn't. And I sat there for a minute, and I said, God, what is this? I've seen them before. You see, because when we don't rehearse the goodness of God, even the greatest things he's done fade from view. I was talking to my friend, and I was like, I feel like God, he just brought Israel to my mind. They had crossed the Red Sea, and they're standing in front of another situation, and they're grumbling and complaining. The Bible says God calls them to cross through the Red Sea on dry land. But when we don't rehearse the goodness of God, we keep having to go back to square one, because when you rehearse the goodness of God, it does something to your faith. When you remember that he allowed you to cross the Red Sea, you're like, okay, I'm thirsty, but I think it could, he, he can sound like he can, he's done some water stuff before. He can do water. I, I know he can do water stuff again. And so it works, and it works, and it does things in you. And so please use wisdom, but please remember the goodness of God. And above all, sometimes let your practicality and pragmatism take a seat. Sometimes, just maybe once or twice. Once or twice. Try something different. Right, because here is who we are as a church. We aren't saying that we don't do practical things because after this man walked, he was still poor. Walking did not solve his money issues. So I'm sure, as we read before, the disciples and the believers, they had all things common. And so I'm sure this man got drafted in and he now has all things common. Because here is the, here is the reality. We believe in feeding empty souls and empty stomachs. We believe in Jesus and therapy. We believe in praying for healing, but also going to see a doctor. We believe in practicality and pragmatism, but those will always take a seat to a powerful savior. And so I believe, I believe in helping the poor. I believe in helping the lame. Please, by all means, let's get him to a doctor. Let's see what it is. But also, but also, when God moves, we move. And the church says just like that. Right, so here is how we're doing it. Here is how we're working. And so here are some applications. Here are some things I want us to do. If you're taking notes, application number one, when we are faced with situations that do not seem impossible, that do not seem possible, give God a shot. 
when you're standing in front of a door and you're knocking and nothing's happening. Don't go, well, never mind. Give God a shot. We were in worship earlier and I heard, I heard a song we used to sing going up in church. The song said, God, any rivers you think are uncrossable. God, any mountains you cannot tunnel through. God specializes in things called impossible. And he will do what no other God can do. If you have a relationship situation, give God a shot. Because see, I've seen some things over the course of my life. I have been in churches and I have seen things that therapy couldn't heal. I have seen broken relationships as people sit on opposite sides of the pew. Sisters, and they will not speak. But something happens when the saints came together to worship. And by the end of the service, sisters who would not talk to each other for years were holding hands and weeping at the altar. Why? Because God can do what no other God can do. If you don't know how to make ends meet, I know that he can. If you don't know what step to take next, give God a shot. What's the worst that can happen? He doesn't fail. So the worst that can happen is he succeeds. Oh no, he solved my problem. Oh no, give God a shot. It might take a little bit of waiting, but give God a shot. Don't run to your solutions. Don't run to A, plan A didn't work, plan B, plan C. No, 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 stop. Hey God, what are you doing? Hey, hey, hey God, um, I see a situation that I don't understand. I'm coming to you and I'm saying, hey, can you move? See, Peter and John, they gave God a shot. And a man who has never walked is leaping. And a man who's never lived in this way is running and jumping. And he moves from the gate beautiful into the temple. The Bible didn't say they brought him inside to pray. The Bible says they left him in the temple to collect money while they went to pray. That, that's what was going on here. How many times have people gone to prayer and this man has they don't say, hey, could, you want to go pray real quick? Like, we'll take you inside and we can bring you back. No, they just leave him there to beg. But you see, when we extend our hands and give God a shot, people who would have never walked past the gate will come inside. People who would have never graced the doors of Greenhouse Church will say, but I saw what God did. And so if this is where God is doing what God does, let me just, let me just come inside and see what is going on here. Application number two, lift him up. You see, there are solutions that I said the word, that God has placed in us that are locked up. So I'm going to do this real quick. Does anyone want to guess what's in this box? It's not chocolate. <laughs> Anybody, no guesses? All right, let me, let me show you what's in this box real quick. This lantern has been on in this box this whole time. And y'all ain't seen nothing. Because you see, a lot of us have God in a box. And he's never off. He's just in the box. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm not saying he's not in you. I'm saying he's been in the box too long, but lift him up. And in the midst of the darkness of this world, when we lift him up, I hear the Bible say, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. I hear God say, I, I, I'm, I'm here. I haven't left you. But lift me up. You see, and so maybe the solution to the world's problems is locked up inside. Lift him up. 
I believe that God will change the world if we lift him up. Church, lift him up. You see, and so, and so, so step number one, give him a shot. Step number two, lift him up. Step number three, application step number three, get in community. You see, this man wasn't healed until he got in community. So let's take a moment and let's talk about our two main characters in this story, the two human characters that are main in the story. Let's talk about Peter and let's talk about this lame man. You see, here's the thing with Peter. We know Peter. Acts chapter 2, Peter gets up on the day of Pentecost and he preaches. But let's, let's take a step back because I feel like we can sometimes disconnect these people from the reality of who they are. Peter is a very flawed person. Peter is not perfect. When we run into these situations, I can hear many of us thinking, okay, but that was Peter and John. Peter and John saw, saw Jesus. They walked with him. John put his head on Jesus' chest. Well, let's talk about Peter. Peter denied Jesus. I think we, we, we might have heard that one if you haven't. When Jesus is getting crucified, they say, hey, aren't you one of his people? And Peter goes, no, I'm not. And they ask again, but they go, I think you are. And Peter goes, no, I'm not. And a little girl asks Peter, a little girl. And Peter curses this little girl out. And says, I don't even know that man. And so, so Peter's fallen before. And then Peter is here on this day. But I want to tell you a secret. Peter does fall again. If you read the book of Galatians, when, when the Jews and the Gentiles are getting together to eat, Peter is sitting with the Gentiles. These are two different ethnic groups. Peter is sitting with them. And then when the ethnic group that is his tribe, his people, his home, shows up, he leaves the people that are disenfranchised, let's use that word, and he goes to the people he believes he belongs with. And the Bible says Paul, Paul sees him, Paul, with, the Bible says, withstands him to the face. Paul, come, Paul, hey, Peter, hey, that was flawed. And, but Paul doesn't take him aside. Paul does it in his face. And he talks to him. Why? Because Peter's not perfect. So if you're wondering, as John said, if your best self is a sacrificial self, and you're like, yeah, but I, myself, that's not, that's not, it's Peter, right? And so if you are at the place where Peter was when he denied God and you've never saw God move in your life before, the church comes for reconciliation. So Peter, when he wants to go fishing, it is his fellow disciples who go with him. And they are with him when he sees Jesus. And when Peter does a miracle, but he, he falls again, it is the church, it is the person of Paul who pulls Peter back. We have to get in community. If Peter wasn't in community, he might not have been in a place to hear from Jesus that first time. And he definitely wouldn't have got pulled to the side that, that second time with, with, the, with the racial issues. See, community does that. And if you're wondering, and you're like, Malik, I don't, I'm not even a believer. I don't even have it. Get in community. You see, because this lame man couldn't walk until someone lift, lent out their hand. I wonder if there are some of us who are either Peters or lame men. And we are stuck on the ground because we need someone to extend a hand. Look up. Talk to somebody. Worship team, if you could join me for a second. We're going to close out in a minute. But, but Jesus has come for you. And there, I believe in this room, are two types of lame people. And I've dealt with both types of lameness in my personal life. There are those who are lame from external circumstances and those who are lame from things that have gone on in your own life. For me, if you don't know, I went to a Bible college out of my associate's degree program. And in that Bible college, I experienced, we'll call it, a fair share of racial issues in this predominantly majority culture Bible college. And so after that, I served God out of a very hurt place. I served God, but I was limping. I was lame. 
and, and I, couldn't, I, couldn't, I, couldn't, I couldn't get to where God wanted me to be because I couldn't move right. And it was community that helped me heal from that. But it just wasn't the lameness inflicted by other people. If you know the story of the prodigal son, there is a son who grows up with his brother. And they grow up, but one day the prodigal son, he wants, he wants his inheritance. He wants riches. He wants fame. And he leaves, takes his half of the inheritance, and he goes about his business. And he comes back, and the Bible says his dad celebrates him coming back. He comes back after being gone, and he is celebrated. But there's another son in the story, his brother. And when his brother comes back home, his brother is salty. He is upset because he's like, I, I've been here this whole time. Nobody has never killed a fatted calf for me. Y'all have never thrown me a party. Nothing. And I was that brother. I wasn't the prodigal. But I was a brother who had seen friends and, and people I served with run away from God and come back. And the celebration and the elation kind of made me sit there for a minute. And I was like, God, I ain't go nowhere. I sat here and I served this whole time. It reminds me of David when David said he struggles when he sees the wicked prosper. It, it, it did something to me. And so, again, I had to walk when I was lame. You see, because being lame by the dictionary de definition doesn't mean you can't walk. It means you walk with an impairment. It means you walk with a limp. There are some of us here who walk with a functional limp. You see, we believe that God still moves, but we are functionally what theology calls cessationist. We don't believe he moves like that. Right, so we believe he does in theory, but in our lives he doesn't. So I want us to take a moment. There are a lot of us here who have been hurt. And we want to serve God, but we can't. And so, and so we take a step, but we have to drag. We have to drag the limping leg behind us because we can't move. But today, if you give God a shot, he will make you walk again. You have been hurt. You have been abused. There have been things done to you that make you feel like you can't press and you can't serve God. But like the lame man is sitting at the gate, beautiful. I remind you of someone who said, I am the gate. His name is Jesus. And he says, you don't have to come all the way in. If you're at the gate, you're close enough to where I am. Jesus wants to heal that part of who you are. But if your issue isn't because people have done things to you, but you've done things to yourself, you have a struggle. You have an issue that, that keeps you from being all that God wants you to be. Today, Jesus wants to move. Today, he wants to heal you because it is his desire to see you walk uprightly. He loves you too much. He will heal you because he loves you. But you need to do it in community. You've been fighting too long on your own. This thing's been bottled up in you for weeks for months, for years, and every time you feel like you get it fixed, it comes back and you end up limping again. Today, Jesus wants to heal you. My friend, give God a shot. Jesus says this, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And so if you're scarred, if you're wounded, if you're lame, Jesus has come for you today. I was watching a movie and they said, our scars can destroy us even after the wounds have healed. If there are scars, if there are things that keep getting opened up and, and they hinder your walking with God, I invite you to come to Jesus. The worship team is going to sing and I want us to take a moment and to think.
And I have a question for you that Jesus asked thousands of years ago. Will you be made whole? So think, answer that question within yourself. And then afterwards, I'll come back up here. I'll welcome our prayer team. And I want us to pray with you. I want us to extend our hands to you because Jesus wants to move. impossible, if there is a problem, if there is a relational tension in your life, let's pray. Let's give God a shot because I don't know about you, but I know what God can do. Well, the worship team is going to pray. If across this house, we can lift our hands and worship God together. Let's believe for somebody who might not even come forward. Let's believe that God is still moving and that he is still doing what no other God can do. Please, we want to partner with you today. Come and let God move. 